0: In the name of Jesus. A long, long time ago, and you can read about it in the book of 2 Samuel, one of Israel's greatest kings went up on the mount that we heard of tonight, the Mount of Olives. There outside of Jerusalem, the Kidron Valley, there was a garden as we heard the Garden of Gethsemane. But there a long, long time ago, a king went up the Mount of Olives and weeping uncontrollably, his head was covered. The text tells us he was barefoot. And he went up that mountain to find shelter and to find protection, and he went there to pray. This king... One of Israel's greatest, a long, long time ago, went up the Mount of Olives so that the Lord's will would be done. Why? Well, it was one of the darkest episodes in King David's life and Israel's history. His own son, Absalom, had become his cruelest enemy. Absalom his own flesh and blood, had greedily declared himself king and was leading a rebellion. It was a civil war. And he did it to take down his father. In addition to that, one of the king's most trusted advisors, advisors, and say this name with me, it's a great name. You ready? Ahithophel. Just rolls off your tongue, doesn't it? This was... Bathsheba's grandfather, he too deserted and betrayed King David by supporting Absalom. And so King David's suffering there on the Mount of Olives was intense. He was double-crossed, he was victimized, and he was exiled. And his very life, his physical well-being was in the gravest danger. King David suffered all of it willingly. Can you imagine such betrayal? Eventually, Absalom's rebel forces were defeated. And then it was time for, do you remember the name? Ahithophel. There you go. He despaired and he believed that there could be no forgiveness for him from King David. He knew that he would be put on trial for betraying his king, that he would be found guilty of treason. So, what's his name again? Very good, you're learning. He took matters into his own hands. Any idea what he did? He committed suicide. He took a rope and hung himself until he was graveyard dead. And then King David returned to Jerusalem as king. Does any of this sound familiar? Because now in our text here, in this second Wednesday in Lent here, as we hear the passion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, an actual descendant of this same King David we just talked about, Jesus, the promised Messianic King, has now walked in the same place that King David walked. A little-known phrase occurred there as Pastor Grady was reading, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley. The same place we know that David walked, the Kidron Valley, where all of the sacrificial blood from the temple would flow. It was a place of refuge. A dump. And now look where our dear Lord and Savior is. He is here on the same Mount of Olives, now in a garden named Gethsemane. Why? Because the one greater than King David willingly suffers one of the darkest and most terrible turn of events in the New Testament. The true king, the once-for-all king, King Jesus is also betrayed. And he is handed over by one of his own spiritual sons. It was Judas. Judas who himself had heard with all of Jesus' authoritative and powerful preaching, it was Judas who betrayed our Lord. Judas, like Absalom, like, you remember his name? Very good. Judas saw with his own eyes the magnificent things that God has done. He saw this Jesus do amazing miracles. He saw the rising sun of the messianic rule on earth. The same Judas who Jesus himself had put into the holy office of apostle, the same Jesus who preached the good news and confirmed this preaching with divine authority, who drove out demons and healed the sick. Judas witnessed and was there for all of it. But yet Judas betrayed him. Because the devil used Judas's weakness and his greed to turn this apostle against the one true king. And the same devil still lurks around, trying to turn you away from your king as well. Greed, we are told, is the root of all evil. Read about it in 1 Timothy 6. And what evil we hear is now perpetrated against our king Jesus. Rebellion, apostasy, all to now dethrone his spiritual father, the king, and it's done with the sign of a kiss. It's done with a detachment of military might, with lanterns and torches and bows and arrows, with cold steel, with javelins and swords and daggers. And if that wasn't enough, the most high and right chief priests and Pharisees, all armed in their glorious vestments, their holier-than-thou extravagant etiquette, and their codicils of man-made canon law. And that's where we find the true king. He crosses the Kidron Valley. He crosses over all that blood that had been spilt and flowed from the altar. And he goes up the Mount of Olives. And there in Gethsemane's garden, he's under attack. And there's no one to help him. The rest of the apostles, the eleven... They're no help. They're bragging about putting their lives on the line for Jesus. quickly turns to... They fall asleep. Just as you and I often fall spiritually asleep. Forgetting God's word, what he has to say. We each betray Jesus in our own way. And Jesus' suffering, mind you, is it's intense. He experiences the daring and craving attack of Satan through one of his own, this betrayal. And this is truly sad. However, in the midst of all that, you need to know that there is another matter on the mind of your king, and this matter shakes him to his very core. His mental anguish is, is agonizing. It's excruciating. His, his heart is, is heavy and his whole body shakes and shivers. Imagine those times that you've been so emotionally drained. When something has occurred that has rocked you to the very core, and I would submit to you, multiply that by ten or a hundred, that's your Lord. So much so does he shake and shiver that the sweat seeps like great drops of blood from his body. What's the matter, Jesus? What is it that causes you to tremble and shudder? Why are you so numb? Why are you in such distress? Why do your arms lay limp, Lord? Why did your Father send an angel from heaven just to give you strength? Do you want to know? Jesus Himself says, My soul, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. You see, Jesus, your Savior, has been given the news that He's terminal. That there's going to be an end. And it's going to come quickly the next day, on Friday, when He is given to drink from the Father's chalice, the cup of God's complete and total wrath against your sin and mine against every sin and all, see, all sinners. And Jesus will be given this chalice now to drink it. All the way to the dregs. For there on that Friday we call good. Jesus will bear the burden of God's wrath. He will be treated as the lost and condemned sinner as He bears in His body the sin of the entire world And he will receive what you and I deserve, death, damnation. His own father will turn his back on him there upon the cross. Indeed, the one true king will suffer the agony of hell because of your sin and all of humanity's For on Friday, all the vicious energy from the gates of hell, death, and the devil will be unleashed upon his shoulders. And the great day, the great day of the Lord against all rebellion, against all unbelief will come upon your king as he carries all that sin on the cross. You see, the cup that Jesus will be given to drink is that his father will treat his own son now is the greatest of all sinners. The worst, because he will bear all sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin. And for that, he will be punished accordingly. And the father's voice, the disciplinarian, the big kahuna boy, his voice is furious. With all the world's sin on You, Jesus, I allow all my wrath and punishment to be pronounced on You. All of my fury, all of my ire, all of my rage on You. Cursed are You, Jesus. Is this really the divine plan? Can this possibly be? Many Christians would turn their eyes and their hearts and their minds elsewhere. But Scripture is very clear. Many Christians would talk about what you must do to appease a God in heaven. What you must choose. What you must accomplish. How many rungs of the ladder you can climb. How many bills you can put in the plates. Is there another way? is there? Is there? And so Jesus, your king, shakes and shudders and he prays repeatedly, Father, is there another way? Can this cup pass me by? Will you remove this cup from me? Do I I really have to drink this, Father? But, and it's a good but, but not my will be done, Dad. Your will be done. Now perhaps all this talk offends you. Perhaps a simple crucifix on the altar offends you. After all, what kind of Messiah is this? What kind of king is this Jesus who won't fight back? Who just willingly allows it all to happen? In addition, this sounds all a little rather immoral. Maybe you're ready to call the authorities yourself. The charge? Spiritual child abuse. How dare the Father in heaven do this to His one and only Son? But be careful. If you're looking for another way. Would you really keep your sin off of King Jesus? Would you really insist on ripping all of your sin off of him? Would you divorce Jesus from all of your transgressions? Would you spare him from being treated as maximum sinner on the cross? Would you release him from God's wrath and the curse of hell? As if you have a better plan? As if you can impose your will on the big guy upstairs? And if you can't, well, then you'll just run away, right? And have nothing to do with this pitiful and wretched king. You see, all of this is the Father's will. In order to redeem lost and condemned persons, to redeem you and me, to redeem the world. And here's what at stake. Because if Jesus doesn't die and get damned with all of your sin then you would die and be damned in those sins you would have to bear all the father's wrath and curse all by yourself hell would be your destination thanks be to God thanks be to the man upstairs. For he sends his son, his only son, to endure all of this for your sake, for your salvation. And because of what Jesus does, not any of your plans or anything you do, your sin is forgiven. for all your punishment has been borne by King Jesus in your place. And now a beautiful, life-giving pool of water bubbles forth, comes to you in the waters of holy baptism, comes to you through His Word, takes up root in your dirty, sinful heart, and brings such beautiful new life into this world. The good deeds you yet do for your neighbors, not for God. Your labors of love. The times you shake. And shudder, for behold, there is one greater than King David, one way greater than you or me. And he moves from the Mount of Olives to Mount Calvary. He willingly does his father's will. And reigning as your king, he drinks the entire cup of God's wrath as he's loaded with your sin to redeem you a lost and condemned person with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death so that you can bask, that you can drink, that you can taste and see that God is good and that he looks upon you with favor for you have Christ's own victory over the devil, over death, over hell, Over whatever comes your way. Behold the man in the name of Jesus.